It's a College Football Friday on Sports BKC, sponsored by Big O Tires. The three local major college programs are home Saturday. Kansas State and Kansas are coming off losses and are dealing with the departures of key players. Kellis Robinette checks in from Manhattan, and Jesse Newell dropped by the studio to provide updates on the Wildcats and Jayhawks. Missouri's a big favorite over Troy in its final non-conference game, and Alex Schiffer came by the studio to discuss the Tigers' weekend and the remainder of their season. He also delivered some personal news that you'll want to stay tuned for. And I spent some time in the Chiefs' locker room this week and met up with tight end Dion Yelder, who made the most of his first NFL offensive snaps. Yelder caught two passes from Patrick Mahomes against the Lions last week. We talked about the catches and his path to the NFL. All of this on the Friday, October 4th edition of Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. Now let's hear from the college crew, starting with Callis Robinette. Callis Robinette covers Kansas State for the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle, and he's got a big football game to cover this weekend as the Wildcats play host to Baylor, 2.30 kick at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Baylor, one of two teams in the Big 12, that is 4-0, but K-State a slight favorite in this game. Uh, is this one going to sell out, Kellis? Are they going to fill the stadium for this? I think it'll be a little bit little bit under, so there will be a few empty seats. Okay. Well, one thing that will happen is, um, before we before we get into the game, um, one thing that will happen for sure in this game is that fans won't have to struggle to watch this game on television. Those who won't be at in attendance that that watched last week's loss to Oklahoma State on uh, the Big 12 uh, Now Network, um, ESPN+. Plus. Kellis, you wrote a pretty extensive story about this that that has appeared in the newspapers here in the last day or so. What did you what, what did you discover? People were not happy with the with the broadcast production. It was a little bit of a crazy game because there was a weather delay and that had an impact. But even Gene Taylor said something about it. What was the um, you know what was the kind of bottom line it for us? Well, I guess the main thing I learned is that um, when it comes to Kansas State football fans, don't mess with. Uh, with their football games, with their broadcast, right? Yeah, yeah, they uh, they want to see it in uh, 1080H HD with the best announcers possible. Um, so I was I was a little, I mean, I was a little bit surprised to see uh, so much venom in some of the, I just guess just reviews and feedback on ESPN Plus. I know they had the the technical difficulties, so people missed a few minutes of the second quarter, and that's obviously never good. Um, so I mean, right there you know, they get a failing grade right off the bat because of that. But, but otherwise, you know, I thought it was okay. They, they didn't have the greatest camera angles. They, they didn't have as many replays as normal. Um, but other words, but otherwise I watched it online, um, at, at the game, in the press box and the stream seemed okay. The picture seemed okay. Um, it seemed like everything else that went wrong, people were just kind of piling on at that point, but it definitely was not, uh, you know, the great first impression ESPN plus and, Big 12 now we're hoping to make and it's just kind of fascinating how it all happened because when they decided to start putting games on ESPN plus the Big 12 decided that for football games they didn't want to chance anything didn't want to risk having a bad production quality or a bad stream so unlike all the other like volleyball and soccer games they have on there they didn't let the schools handle it they actually asked the Big 12 to send a regular team there and treat it just like any other game thinking that they would get a better product that way. And for whatever reason, the team ESPN sent there 
just botched the job, basically. They sent, they sent their practice squad. They screwed it up. They had problems. So it's just kind of ironic that they went out of their way. They thought they were going out of their way to make this as good of a production po- as, as they possibly could. And that's, in some ways, what ended up backfiring on them. Right, right. And and, and that's just it. I, I think if you're going if you're going to ask fans to change their viewing habits, and in this case, you know, change from a you know your your basic your cable subscription or your satellite feed to a streaming service, you know, you better get the fundamentals right. Like, um, you know, the, the announcers should be you know should should be knowledgeable. The production quality should be there, and it, it just wasn't there. Now, for someone like you, you're at the game. You know, you're you're using that broadcast to help you cover the game. Maybe look at some replays and whatnot. But I think I I get the the the, the feeling of the fan base, especially you know people that that, that are, aren't used to streaming and just don't have much experience with doing that. And I, I can understand their frustration level at this. So, um, what what's the um, what are the prospects for more games um, broadcast over you know in a, in a streaming way? Was, was this the was this the only time that's going to happen for the for K State football this season? Well, so it's it's kind of I guess you could technically say it's up in the air. I asked Bob Bowlesby this, and he said basically under the terms of their contract with ESPN because they're no longer using ESPN three or ESPN News much to televise games. They have they are within their rights if they chose to move another game to ESPN Plus they could do so and basically there's really nothing the Big Twelve could do about it because that's the way their contract is set up but Kansas State you know obviously wasn't thrilled uh, with their last broadcast and they were only really technically supposed to be on it once this season they've already been on it twice so they've been assured. Uh, for the remainder of the season, Kansas State won't be on there again. So all football fans can go back to watching on ESPN, ESPN2, Fox, and FS1, uh, or ABC. That's where they'll be the rest of the season. But then come basketball season, they'll play on there 13 times for the regular season and then twice in the exhibition games. They'll be right back there. You have, you'll have to watch on ESPN Plus if you want to see the game. And I guess that was Gene Taylor's main message is that, you know, it's unfortunate that uh, they didn't start with a bang this time, right. but uh, if they get it, you know, fixed by the time basketball season comes around, and they have it up to their peak quality, then maybe things will settle down a little. Yeah, bit. that that's a lot of basketball games for uh, for for streaming, but that's that is the maybe a sign of the times, a wave of the future for uh, consuming uh, college sports events in, in the Big Twelve and throughout the the college sports landscape. We'll just have to see. You know, the other big news this week was uh, involved John Holcomb. Uh, with his his decision to transfer, that that surprised uh, surprised me. I imagine a lot of Kansas State followers were were, were surprised by that. What what's behind that uh, that decision? Well, I don't have a ton of details for you, just because it did come out of the blue for everybody. Um, even the Kansas State coaches. This was announced on uh, Tuesday night, and basically the way it was described to me was John Holcomb walked in the football offices, sat down with his quarterback's coach, Colin Klein, told him he was going to transfer, um, and then announced it on Twitter and was gone. So fans, uh, people looking on Twitter, had just about as much warning as the Kansas State coaching staff. They didn't think this was coming, and you, there was really no signs of it coming because you know, had he not redshirted, it would make some sense because at least then he could save the year because there were only four games in and he could, 
uh, save this year in terms of eligibility and go play somewhere else next season. But he already redshirted last season. So it, it's right. a, a, just an odd thing. If, if he were to transfer to an FBS school now, he'd have to sit out the rest of this year and the rest of next year before being eligible to play in 2021. And that's even if he stayed here behind Skylar Thompson, that would be the same time frame uh, for when he would conceivably start once Skylar graduates. So odd timing. Um, he's gone on Twitter and said that he's gotten scholarship offers from about every prominent junior college in the country. So maybe that's what he wants to do. Uh, transfer there this, this season, get settled in, have a good season in junior college next year, and then transfer back up to the FBS level. Um, I don't know that for sure, but based on the way he's reacted to some of the JUCO offers, it seems like that's at least a possibility for him. Okay. Like I said, big game with Baylor on, on Saturday. Uh, the Bears coming off a victory over Iowa State that won all of their non-conference games. Baylor and Oklahoma are the two 4-0 teams in the Big 12. How about a, how about a, a kind of thumbnail breakdown uh, of this one? Uh, uh, like I said, uh, the Wildcats a slight favorite here. It seems like I know it's early in the season, and, and I know the the Wildcats have you know we we have portrayed the Mississippi State and Oklahoma State games as big games for for the Wildcats, but this this also has that feel of a of a big sort of significant game. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I said it last week, or yeah, before they played Oklahoma State, was it? If they were able to win that game, there was really nothing standing in their way of starting 6-0. and um, Well, kind of the opposite is true now. Now they've lost that game, and they didn't look very good against a Big 12 opponent. Um, if they can't beat Baylor at home this week, that doesn't really bode all that well for their next game against TCU, who's about on Baylor's level right now, you would think. So, uh, you know, if you could do the complete opposite. If they lose this game, there's nothing – preventing them from starting three and three and um, really sucking all the momentum away that they had in the, from that great Mississippi state win. Um, but you know, they, they're a favorite for a reason. Baylor, they're, they're undefeated and they had a really good game against Iowa state, but they didn't play anyone of significance during the non-conference season. So they're still a little bit unproven. Um, they play somewhat like Oklahoma state. They, they like to have uh three defensive linemen and then, you know, bring blitzes with linebackers and other stuff at you, just like Oklahoma state did. Um, they're a little bit different on, on offense. They spread the ball around the backfield. Um, they've got a really good quarterback in Charlie Brewer. So it, it'll be a good test. Um, the main thing I'll be looking for is just how do the Kansas state receivers respond to this game? Because basically Oklahoma state came out and said, um, if, if, if you guys are going to beat us, it's going to be because Skylar Thompson beat us with his arm and threw it on us, and he couldn't do it. Um, without Malik Knowles, the receivers just couldn't get open. Skylar Thompson was frazzled at times, had his worst game of the season. So he's going to have to bounce back, and I, I certainly think he can, but that's definitely something to watch here. In this right, game. and Malik Knowles out with the foot injury. So, And, hey, look, and, and, and what a week in Baylor. They extended both Matt Rule, the football coach, and the athletic director, uh, Mac, uh, Mac Rhodes. So a lot of news at, at Baylor this week as well. All right, Kellis, hey, thanks for stopping by. And when we come back, Kansas is the topic and Jesse Newell is the guest. Jesse Newell, who covers KU for the Star and the Wichita Eagle, is here. Jesse, how you doing? Doing good, Blair. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, um, tell me, what have you done with Khalil Herbert? What have I done with him? Where is he? <laughs> He's left. I didn't do anything. I promise. 
Um, no, in all seriousness, Khalil Herbert, um, KU just announced on, I, I guess it was Wednesday now, that uh, he would be leaving the team and no longer with the team. Sort of an interesting scenario. I, I was just talking to people around the office that this Kansas football season it has not lacked for um, storylines and, and something happening every single week, it seems like. but for, for a two and three team. Yeah, it's sort of fascinating. But for Khalil, Khalil Herbert, a guy that's been with the program for three years, uh, now four years, he was a guy that was voted team captain the last couple weeks, and he sat out the game for what they called personal reasons. And now we basically know that it was because he wanted to redshirt because you get up to four games in a year before you can uh, not have a redshirt available anymore. And he because he played his first three seasons at Kansas, he now has an opportunity to go graduate transfer and play somewhere else. So um, this is sort of... Uh, as you can imagine, you would think kind of a psyche blow for a team where there's a guy that you rely upon, a guy you believe you can count on, uh, obviously one of the Big 12's top rushers. He came into the game second in the Big 12 in rushing, and all of a sudden he's decided that uh, you know he's not going to be on your team anymore, and he's midseason he's going to go pursue opportunities elsewhere. So uh, for Kansas, sort of a difficult thing to overcome in the hours and minutes before a game starts, but uh, that was what they were asked to do, and obviously it didn't turn out too well against TCU. He had a big game against Boston College, right? 170, 180 yards rushing yeah including the 82 yard run at the end of the uh, the first half that sort of swung the game open uh, that that was kind of the big play where he was just trying to get to halftime and he broke down the, the sideline with blockers down there so he also had a huge game against West Virginia a couple years ago um, I can't remember the exact total Do you 291 I wrote it down 291 yeah one of the biggest rushing days in NCAA history so he absolutely showed flashes of being great sort of an interesting dynamic here because uh, KU had returning Puka Williams, who is an all-Big 12 first-team running back. They haven't had an all-Big 12 first-team guy in a long time, but yet you had Khalil Herbert, who uh, at that point in the season when he decided to sit out the TCU game was averaging almost nine yards a carry. Uh, But you also had head coach and Les Miles, who was saying he needed to get Puka more involved, and after that big game you mentioned against uh, Boston College, I believe it was Puka Williams had 14 carries the next game, and Khalil Herbert had seven. So, um, that could be uh, perhaps part of it, where if you're looking at it as Khalil Herbert, you say, hey, I can get a fresh start somewhere and, and see a program that hopefully wants to, to utilize me and have me be the top guy. For Kansas, it's just sort of an interesting scenario because they do have a lot of depth at running back, and they also have a very talented guy in Puka Williamson. To be honest, he really hasn't gotten free just yet either. And Khalil Herbert's not the only running back who is no longer with the team. Tell us about Don, Dom Williams. Yeah, and Dom Williams is with the team for now, but uh, he also sat out the TCU game, even though you would have expected him to come in. Uh, KU went to Velton Gardner, who was sort of like their four-string running back. But um, I asked Les Miles about this in his press conference this week. He didn't have too many comments, but it seems like a similar scenario to Khalil in the fact that he's going to pursue pursue a four-game red shirt this season and sit out. And who knows if a transfer's coming with that. Uh, Dom is sort of a fast saying case you know he came to Kansas one of the most highly touted prospects that KU has had in a long time he finished high school state of Texas history top 10 in rushing and I mean if you do that uh, that's an impressive feat to have with Texas football absolutely and so he came to Kansas with kind of that hype and it's just been tough for him he's had injuries he hasn't been able to stay on the field he's never been able to to break out as a top back and again he's had some talented backs as well uh, to go against him but uh, it seems like he's going to pursue a redshirt. The interesting, interesting thing with him is he's only played three games this year. So, uh, and obviously in that game, if they knew that Khalil was going to be out, it's sort of fascinating to think, okay, why 
why why would they not just would Dom just say hey that's okay I'll play now or, or what the case may be so maybe more of a backstory there but it's not one that we're getting yet and so we'll see if Dom Williams Les Miles did say he expected him to be at practice this week so we'll see if he stays with Kansas in the future or if like Khalil he might pursue other options after the year you know if he's only played in three games um, the four game limit doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be the first four games it's four games during the season he could play in another game and still preserve a a year of eligibility. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it's sort of an interesting scenario because if you had decided that before the game and then Khalil's thing happened, so you sort of have maybe, I don't know, would, would Dom then say, hey, I'm ready to play now? Because probably part of the reason he didn't want to play is because he had two very talented backs in front of him and Puka Williams and Khalil Herbert. But if Khalil goes down, then you would say, okay, well, I'm ready to go back in there. So I, I again, I don't know the everything that was happening behind the scenes there, but for Kansas, this is unquestionable. If you went into the season and said, what do you feel best about for Kansas football? You would have absolutely said the running back position. And you would have mentioned three names. You would have said Puka Williams, Khalil Herbert, Dom Williams. And right now, they've got one of those guys left. And right now, Puka Williams, he averaged 7.0 yards per carry last year. He's at 4.6. A lot more running between the tackles, a lot more workhorse work. And um, we talked to him this week earlier, just kind of said, hey, I'm going to do what the team needs me to do. Uh, Whatever they need from me, I'm going to do. But obviously, he has not found the same type of space and success that he had last year where KU sort of got him out, uh, out in the flat a little bit more, out in the open area a little bit more where he was really able to succeed. Okay, the Jayhawks have a breather this weekend. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You listen, I, I said Oklahoma's coming to town, and, and I say that Kansas actually played pretty well in Norman last year, offensively terrific. Absolutely, and that was the Puka Williams show. That was the one where he, on national television, was kind of just dancing around Sooners defenders and uh, getting himself on sports under those things. And that really was an offensive effort, if, if I remember right. Uh, 40-plus points for KU football. They hadn't had that in a Big 12 road game in a long, long time. So for KU, what happened on that night was basically they just kind of kept scoring with the Sooners. And um, right now, to be honest, uh, their offense is sort of stuck in an, a difficult spot. You know, After they had the great success, against Boston College. We talked about the run-pass option plays. They really have not gone back to that in the two games since. They've tried more power football, more eye formation, more running puka between the tackles, and lots of fullbacks, lots of tight ends. It just hasn't worked as well. So for Kansas, um, the path to them getting to 40-plus points at home against Oklahoma just doesn't seem as clear as it might have been a couple weeks ago or as clear as even it was last year under Coach David Beatty when they opened things up and really spread the field for puka. So we'll see what happens with Kansas. And uh, I try to tell everybody every week, Blair, do not overreact to the previous week. You know, there's a, a great possibility KU does cover in this game. 35 and a half points is a lot of points to cover. But um, for KU to be competitive, uh, that would probably take something that is unforeseen at this point. Yeah, against a, a program that is bidding for its third Heisman Trophy winning quarterback in, in, in three years with, with Jalen Hurts having off to a great, great start for, for the Sooners this year. You know, Jesse, with when I looked at the Kansas schedule and, and you were looking for and I was seeking victory opportunities for the Jayhawks, there were cases to be made for the first five games, basically until this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kansas is two and three in those games. One of them was such an eye-opener, the, the victory at Boston College. The I think the TCU game last week had to be the biggest disappointment just because the offense was pretty much a no-show until the what fourth quarter. Yeah, Is there – I don't know. Is there is, – is, are, the, are the prospects – what are the prospects for another victory for this team now that the schedule starts to get some teeth? It's difficult. You know, I, it's sort of – I've sort of had to kind of change my worldview of kind of how this all works. And you sort of have to look at the 
big picture of the rest of the games. Obviously, Oklahoma is, is not one of these games you, you walk in and say Kansas has a 25% chance to win. But but basically, if you look at the, the probabilities here, you know, you, you still have K-State at home. You still have Texas Tech at home. You know, you still have some of these opportunities on the schedule. You look at there and you say, okay, maybe Kansas has not an 80% chance to win, but they got a 25% chance to win or a 30% chance to win. And you add all those up over the course of time, and it's really difficult to say, hey, they're going to be favored against Texas Tech at home. That's not the case. It, nope. it, will, it will not be the case. But it's a little bit easier to say, hey, if they got a 25% chance against Texas Tech and a 15% chance against K-State, and you add all those up over the course of seven games, Maybe sometime in there, they, they rise up and beat somebody. So that's kind of the prospects at this point. I think it's made more difficult, Blair, because we saw this team maybe the last game, game and a half without Drew Prox, who is their uh, star linebacker in there. And to be frank with you, right now, they just don't have options available behind him after he went out with a, an apparent shoulder injury against West Virginia. They just don't have guys that are ready to step in. They've got Gavin Potter, who's a true freshman, um, who's trying to learn on the job, but again, uh, not always in the right place that he needs to be. You've got Jay Deneen, uh, who, again, has been with the program for a few years, but I think there's a reason that he hasn't really progressed and, and into a starting role by this point because um, it's just a position that does not have a lot of depth, doesn't have a lot of experience, it doesn't have a lot of snaps behind these two guys in Drew Prox and Kyron Johnson. So Kyron Johnson went out last week with a little bit of a stinger, he said. He said it'll be fine for this week, but without Drew Prox in there, you're sort of going from what was a position of strength to it now a position where you're trying to fill in the pieces. So defensively for Kansas, it's going to be tougher sledding from here on out. It's going to be tough to stop the run. It's going to be tougher for them without one of their top players. And then offensively, like I said, I think they just have an identity problem, which is for now it seems like a mirage for three quarters against Boston College. They look like world beaters. And then after that, they got went back to kind of what we've seen from Les Miles over the course of, uh, you know, a decade or two, which is these, uh, you know, a lot of these toss plays that seem to go for big yardage once against Boston College and don't go for yardage on every other first down they try it. So uh, I think offensively, it's identity issue where they sort of maybe have some options to go back to what they ran before and see more success and open things up when they for when they've had success. And then defensively, just trying to figure out what linebackers they can rely upon with Drew Prox going down and trying to fill in his production. All right, Jesse. Hey, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you next week. Sounds good, Blair. Appreciate it. Missouri is the topic, and Alex Schiffer is the guest when we return. Alex Schiffer covers the Missouri Tigers for the star. Alex, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Rare in-studio appearance for me. I think this, this is, is only my second time. Yeah. Second time in, in, uh, in, in a year that we've been doing this podcast, or not a year, months, Mm-hmm. Um, we've been doing the podcast. So it's great to see you. Glad you're here. And we're going to talk some Mizzou Tigers for a while. And then we're going to talk about some personal news for you. You wrote a story that is posted um, on the Stars website that I didn't realize this. The Tigers under Barry Odom, 0-7 when he has more than a week to prepare. The mm-hmm. anti-Andy Reid Barry Odom, and he addressed it. What, what did he say? Yeah, so I, I counted bowl games in there just because they, they've been winless in both bowl and games. And season openers? or just, Yes, so. and, and if we're going to count the season openers, I mean, you know, that Missouri State game that he played a couple years ago, Ooh. I mean, it was a win, but it was more of a... It was an alarm-setting win. Yeah, so just generally speaking, he hasn't, even in the two wins, the two wins are against FCS schools, UD Martin and Missouri State, and the UT Martin game is the only game that's really gone smoothly. So, and, and he, I, I give him credit, you know, after the South Carolina game, you know, big win for him, gets a monkey off his back. Someone was asked about, about it, and he's like, yeah, you know, it's been well documented how bad I am off the bye. And so they tried to treat it differently this week 
and treat last week like more of a game prep week and also try to implement some game uh, prep for Troy this Saturday last week. And you know, usually the bye week for college coaches, they're always on the road recruiting. They did not go on the road until Thursday night and a Friday, I want to say, to, which is interesting. You know, again, last year, they I think they left that Monday and were going through high schools all week. So they, they did a few different things differently, it seems like, in, in an attempt to fix this. Well, and it's, it's, it's something that needs to be fixed because the Wyoming game is included in this mm-hmm. 0-7 record against F- FBS opponents. So... Uh, Troy is the opponent uh, this week, as you mentioned, and the Tigers are a big favorite in this game. Uh, if the streak continues after this week, then there's trouble in River City. You know, and I, I said to I said in my story too. Like, I think this is a tough week to kind of analyze if they fix anything off of it because they're heavy favorites. Troy's been really good the past few years under Neil Brown, but he left for West Virginia. Chip Lindsey's in. They've had a sluggish start, and they've they've only had one game at. Seems like where they're de- they they're an offense that can kind of hang with anybody, but their defense has given up big big yardage in every game they've played. So I think if it was going to come down to a game of defense, I would trust Missouri's with the way it's playing. But yeah, you know it, it's it's interesting. There's all this talk about Barry Odom after the bye week, but you know I think that it, it's still a conversation even if they win this week. And that's you know their their next bye week. They have two this year. They'll be coming off the bye week going at uh, into Georgia. You know, if they win there, which I think is the one game everyone circled this year and said they're probably not going to win, maybe that changes the tune. But I think that this is something that, because of the way it started, he might need to go into next year before he can really, really show he's learned from it. But if he goes in and beats Georgia, then then all is well. Yes, you know? yes. And it, look, if that happens, then then they're in first place. And yeah. Assuming, you know, victories over Vanderbilt and Kentucky before then. But this mm-hmm. is the... After Troy really is a critical part of the Missouri schedule, right? I mean, that is the next three weeks are make or break for the Tigers' fortunes. I, I agree. You know, I picked them 10-2 and two at the beginning of the year, as we've discussed. I didn't feel great about that after the Wyoming loss, but the way it's broken for them now, I mean, they beat South Carolina, who lost their starting quarterback. They, beat, uh, they play Kentucky, and South Carolina embarrassed Kentucky this past week. And what was, I don't know if you watched it, but it was a very unwatchable game. And... Then and Vanderbilt shouldn't really scare them, and and Florida has even you know they've lost Felipe Franks. I was never really a drinker of the Felipe Franks Kool Aid, but you know they they look they look vulnerable. I wouldn't say I don't know if I'd pick Missouri to win that game yet, but I think that I think that if they if Missouri finishes with less than nine wins in the regular season, it's, it's going to be a big disappointment just based on the way the schedule is still set up for them, despite Wyoming. All right, uh, let's switch it to basketball really quick. Missouri got a little bit of bad recruiting news, a little bad news on the recruiting trail mm-hmm. with uh, the, the announcement that Caleb Love was heading to North Carolina. Unexpected, or what would you think? You know, I, I think it will always be justifiable for Missouri to re- lose a recruit to a blue blood like North Carolina, barring a, a big personal connection or, or something like that. They didn't hire Caleb Love's dad like they have with other recruits to to get him on. And, you know, I was talking to someone with with – that's well sourced within the program. And I was talking to them, and something that they said that I thought was was interesting. Missouri is very deep at guard right now, all three guard spots, and he's obviously a combo guard. I can't predict the future, but I think North Carolina's point guard Cole Anthony, son of Greg Anthony, uh, is probably going to be a top five pick next year. So they they could sell a lot easier. You can come right in and start for him. While Missouri, yeah, he'd play immediately, but. They'd kind of have to reshuffle the deck chairs, and maybe they lose a guy to transfer because of that. And they really like the team they have right now. So, I, I think that if he was a six-seven-six-eight guy, they would have had a better shot at him, just because they have more need at the four and the five spots than 
than the backcourt, but I, I think that it, it's admirable that Conzo Martin was able to get this far with him when everyone thought they were dead and buried in July. There's no trophy for second place, obviously. There's no other commitment for second place, but I, I do think that with the way Missouri's been able to kind of hang in with some of these local guys, it is a matter of when, not if. But, again, you look at Missouri's depth chart, and it, it, they do have other options there that aren't bad by any means. And you're right. There is no, in recruiting, there is no trophy for second place. But if you're not a, a top 10 or a top 25 or even, I don't know, how deep you want to go, but somebody who has designs on not staying in college for long mm-hmm. and is not satisfied with their situation at, at the school where they end up attending – uh, it's it's good to um, at least know that Missouri was in the hunt until the very end against a top uh, with a top level recruit and it make listen Missouri has you know they've lost players to transfer they've 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 gotten transfers every program has that now I, I think the recruiting game has changed so much that you have to continue relationships even after kid commits somewhere else yeah you know I was talking to Brad Luce who former Missouri assistant coach under Kim Anderson now is with the athletic department the Tiger Scholarship Fund and, and he was even saying he goes you know just from his days it's a double-edged sword because if Caleb Love cut Missouri out in June they have what, what are we at now, about four or five months from there to spend time recruiting other guys and get a head start on the other guys. But then the perception is, well, Missouri was never in the running and that's a bad look on Conzo. And then instead, Missouri is in the running for this guy a long time and they have to keep recruiting him because he hasn't cut them out. And now they have to start looking into their plan B targets. So I uh, I think that it, it they were never going to satisfy both sides of the fan base unless they got him. And you know, even I, I've come to learn, and I learned this a long time ago, but Missouri's had a lot of success if you look at the recruiting rankings in like the top 60 range. You know, Trey Jackson's on the team right now as a top 60 guy. Jonathan Williams III when he was here was a top 60 guy. Jakeen and Gant when they signed him was a top 60 guy. That's been the range that they've kind of lived in where they've had success. And the outliers with the Porters and Jeremiah Tillman, those were their unique circumstances. We've talked about before on here how it was a perfect storm with the other coaching changes and all of that. So... I, I think that, you know, whenever you're, and even, you know, EJ Liddell was a top 40, 45 guy that was a little outside the range and they were right there with him. But, you know, Caleb Lowe was a five star guy, tw- top 20, top 25 guy. You know, historically speaking, this isn't the kind of guy Missouri lands unless you hire their dad or something crazy happens. Right. So, so, you know, I think that fans can be upset, but, you know, you, you are what your history tells you. And that's why I think that Missouri has a better shot with some of the other guys looking at you, know, even Josh Christopher who just made news because he's going to visit Howard this weekend. You know, he's a top 15 guy, and if they don't get him, I mean, Missouri was only in the mix for him because the strength coach is uh, Nicodemus is his cousin. You know, I, I've again, I defer to you, Blair, as my college historian. Have you ever heard of a recruit going to a school because of the strength coach? Not, not the strength coach. Many, many other reasons, many other personnel, uh, but not the strength coach. But that, that's a new one for me. Yes, and that's why, to me, it'd be the most ridiculous commitment Missouri ever got, that even <laughs> trumping the porters, because you're talking about a guy that is in Los Angeles, a huge market, top 15 player nationally, going all the way to Columbia, Missouri, you know, it, it, it's funny. I, I remember when you were talking to me about Kelly Bryant a couple of podcasts ago, you, you said, like, I can't believe he went to Missouri. Like, I still can't process that. Like, I was telling someone the other day, like, quoting you, like, I would feel that way if Josh Christopher went to Missouri just because it's such a unique confluence of events for something like that to happen. All right, we talked about the Missouri-Troy football game, and we just talked about basketball. And when we put those two things together, it uh, it spits out 
uh, a little bit of a personal story for you because the Missouri-Troy football game will be the last one that you cover for the Kansas City Star, and, uh, and it's because of basketball. Tell us about your next move and uh, and what's what's in store for you. Yeah, it would be almost two years to the date I was hired at the Star that I'll wrap up with the Troy game, about 28 short of you uh, and your time here. But um, 28 but games, uh, 28 years. 28, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm heading east to cover uh, an NBA team. It'll be – more will be announced, I guess, in the coming weeks. I, team at, team to be deter- – not to be determined. It's been yeah, determined. Team to, to be, be announced, announced, I guess, yeah. Right. And, uh, and yeah, I've, I've, I've always wanted to cover the NBA. You know, having gone to high school with Carl Anthony Towns, Wade Baldwin, Andrew Bynum went to my high school. We have the most first-round picks uh, in the 21st century for any New Jersey high school. So I, uh, I've always had that on my mind. You know, I, I got offered a lot to st- uh, to leave the star the last two years, but I, I to quote my Italian ancestors, I was made an offer I couldn't refuse. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, it's been a, it's been a great ride. I'm gonna miss it. It feels like I'm graduating college again. It's actually really weird. Everyone's like, did you have this like huge like celebratory touchdown moment? And I was just like, you know, it's just it's been a whirlwind because I've been trying to prepare for my new job, still cover Mizzou, unload my apartment. Like it's been a, I haven't really had time to like do a cartwheel or anything like that for it. Two years at the star, as you mm-hmm. said. Uh, covering Mizzou, and you, you've covered you've covered a lot. A lot has occurred in the in the two years you've been here uh, covering the Tigers. What, what are some of the stories that you'll that, that you look back on most fondly that uh, that you reported, you covered uh, games, personalities, just the, the moments? Yeah, you know, I, I think to start off, like just none of this went how I thought it would. And again, you know, first off, this was my first job out of college. You know, I like you Mizzou know, even, grad school, uh, Mizzou, Mizzou journalism school. Got yeah, it. and uh, and you know, even like some people have said to me, like I heard about your new gig. Like, why haven't you told me? Like, I've never left a job before. Like, I don't know how all this goes. Like, I don't know who, you know. So, um, I, you know, the the whole Michael Porter thing to me is still crazy. About just you know, you think you're going to cover this team that's this national news with like one of the biggest revivals ever, of single digit team to potentially like Sweet Sixteen, and then it went down the way it did. But I still think that that season's kind of undersold with just what Conzo was able to do with the still personnel he had and the emergence of Cassius Robertson. Um, I remember just some crazy weekends, like when we went to watch E.J. Liddell uh, before going to Starkville for a game, the Aaron Earlywine news breaks. Then while we're at E.J. Liddell's game, the Terrence Phillips news breaks. Uh, I remember using Aaron's hotspot to in his car to write the Aaron Early one story while he drove on I seventy. Aaron Reese, your Aaron old Reese, beat, my your old beat partner, yeah, my original old, beat partner. Yeah, and then us being in the airport when the second Terrence Phillips news broke, and us running across the airport while trying to confirm <laughs> stuff. I remember it was the first time I ever drank on an airplane that weekend, <laughs> um, and even just you know I remember Michael Porter got cleared to return to Missouri, and that was the same day that Jim Sterk got sued by Dawn Staley. And I remember being in Aaron's apartment and we were just winded because we just wrote like four different stories that were just so ridiculous. One of us trying to chase down the lawsuit, one of us trying to chase down the Porter news. I remember Aaron's like, you want a beer? And I said, well, what do you got in there? And he's like, you know, I got a Porter. I was like, I'm not, I am not drinking a Porter after what we just dealt with today. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, just, it, it's, I, I really, I'll be honest with you, I, I really enjoyed getting to know Barry Odom. If I was working for Missouri's ticket office, Upon graduating, I wouldn't have been a very good employee. You know, I, I just I thought he was kind of a stiff his first year, and I'd run into him on campus, and you know, he wouldn't really be that friendly. You know, I, I was working for Gabe Diarm at that point. I wasn't even like a student outlet. I was doing, I was kind of like in the, you know, somewhat with the big boys. And you know, I, I I've really come to like him. I, I think he's a really good guy, and I I he's shown more personality with me, and and 
given me a lot more for some of the stories I've done than I ever thought he would. From and it kind of shows how you've done. A, I've done a 180 on him with all that, and uh, and even just you know with Conzo Martin, you know he never. Uh, he never treated me like for, held my age against me or anything like that. And I always, you know, like Robin Pinchton too. They they saw I asked good questions. I did my homework, and that's all they really cared about. Uh, they really cared about. You know, I said how I um, I didn't. I've never left a job before or anything. You know, it's been interesting this week how you know Conzo Martin staff was like pumped for me when I told them the news. They they were genuinely happy for me. That's a great job you got. We're so happy for you. Keep in touch. I didn't know if they'd react like that. All the Mizzou players yesterday swore me at media day to ask where I'm going. And, uh, you know, Kel Garrett said, I feel like you're my son and I'm sending you out in the world. <laughs> and uh, you see Durant, Missouri's offensive lineman, who should play against Troy. I asked him, uh, I asked him, you know, are you going to um, – are you gonna play on Saturday? And he goes, "It's your last game, Shift. You think I'm gonna sit out for you?" Aww. So, uh, so it's uh, it's been a it's been a interesting ride. It's been a whirlwind, and I've come to learn in the last few weeks just like who paid attention, who cared, and you know, it, it's got me feeling all weird as I'm leaving here. Like, oh, like I don't I don't know if I want to leave now, but uh, but it's it's been cool to kind of see that that side of people the past few weeks. Well, listen, Alex, it's been it's been great getting to know you and working with you. And I'm really looking forward to reading your stuff at the next stop, covering an NBA team in the Eastern time zone, uh, a team that may or may not have been in the playoffs last year. We'll know soon enough when yeah. you make the announcement. So, yeah. again, it's been, um, it's been a lot of fun working with you. You, yeah, I have no relatives, Blair, between uh, New Jersey and Los Angeles. Uh, you and Vahe have been like my uncles, and uh, I appreciate <laughs> all you guys have done for me. Yep. Yeah, so uh, you'll be missed, and I'll be in touch regularly, trust me. So a big weekend in college football on Saturday. Hey, when we return, you'll hear my interview with Chiefs tight end Dion Yelder, who last week in Detroit got on the field for the first time as an offensive player and made the most of his appearance. When it comes to saving big on tires, do the math at Big O Tires. Start by saving $100 instantly on sets of four Big O brand tires with paid installation purchase. Then receive an additional $50 by mail-in rebate on qualifying purchases using your Big O Tires credit card. Add it all up, and you can save as much as $150. The tires you need, the savings you want. Only at Big O Tires, the team you trust. Hurry, sale ends October 13th. For the location nearest you, go to BigOtires.com. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Let's let's go through the path to your first NFL reception. Were you the, were you the uh, primary target on that play? Uh, no, nah, not for real. Uh, just it posted when Kels getting over top, but the way they played Kels the whole game was double team and bracketed. So I just got through and slipped the backer. And it was wide open green, so packed him the ball. Okay. Listen, I know you've caught passes in preseason games. You've caught a thousand, you know, 
passes, but to do it in your first NFL game, was that special for you? Yeah, that's a very special moment, just being ready when the opportunity came. That's the main thing I had to be, just to do was be ready. And then it came again. Yeah, it came again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the opportunities came, and I uh, just made a play. Okay, listen, you've got an interesting background with, with football, which is kind of to say – you didn't play much. I mean, in high school, I saw you're more of a basketball guy. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah. And so, how did when did football come into your life, and and uh, what were those circumstances? Uh, I played football as a kid for a little while. Um, I got to high school. My school wasn't what I thought it was going to be, so I didn't really play. I wanted to play basketball at the time, and uh, my uh, football coach at the time, Kobe Clark and Coach Kroom, they told me come out and just try football. So I came out my junior year, and then from there I just kept building and building. And then got an opportunity. The opportunity was a walk-on yeah. uh, position at Western Kentucky. Yes, sir. And so, I mean, that's kind of starting on the low end of the totem pole there, having to start as a walk-on and yeah. build your way up. Take us through that process and what that was like and how much patience you had to have. Uh, just mentally, just knowing you're not going to have the opportunity that you thought you would have. Uh, mentally, just going every day, knowing you at the back end, just continue to grind and uh, – just faith. That's the main thing I had at the time, was just faith and just team working because I knew God had a plan for everything and it all came together. And the longer you were involved with it, did the more did you gain confidence just as a, in your uh, abilities? And Yeah, I gained confidence because uh, I was going against the defense at the time. Like, Scott, you know, you're going to get the defense, and I was destroying the defense. So I was just getting confident, like, yeah, I can play. I can really play. I can play. It just ain't nothing that's nothing new. Just got to just get used to it and just – Continue to execute and continue to have faith in football. Tell me, about your, and tell me about your senior year at Western. Uh, my senior year, I got an opportunity to start, which is a big thing. None of my family really ever been to college. So, like, um, when I got the opportunity, it, it kind of finally, like, slowly hit me that I was starting. So, like, first week I had a couple catches. Next week I had one catch. Then just start building up, and I just started getting more work. And then just thank you for the opportunity from West Kentucky and Coach Mike Sanford for giving me the opportunity. And at what point did you become a prospect, or did you think about the yeah, NFL? I, I wasn't was thinking about the NFL like that for real. I was just trying to play. That was my main goal. College just to play, and to say I could play college football. And then this all came, and I just capitalized on that moment. Um, so it wasn't like you were, grew up dreaming of playing the NFL or anything like uh, that. I had a dream, but everybody had a dream, so you don't know how that goes. You just stay on the path that you go on. You're uh, signed with the Saints out of, out of yeah. college. Uh, didn't work out. Yeah. I, it was straight. I like the Saints. It, it helped mold me mentally, physically. Uh, Coach Dan there really helped me develop to what I am now. So I just thank him for that. I thank the Saints organization for the opportunity, and I thank the Chiefs for giving me the opportunity to come here as well right. to, to continue to work, continue to get better. And Coach Mayo has been helping me a lot, Trav and all the other guys. So it's been a blessing. Yeah, and how about you? the, the fact that you find yourself in this offense, this quarterback? Oh uh, Yeah, that's just it's a unique offense. It kind of – Similar to my college office, I feel like, because how the things work around her, how different use of tight ends, because my school, like, used the tight end a lot yeah. as well. So I'm just happy I got an opportunity here. Uh, just a final thought on um, uh, after the after the game, did you contact anybody? Or did you have people there at the game? No, nah, I had nobody there. No, I didn't contact nobody. Uh, it just happened fast. So I was just <laughs> thankful for the opportunity. And when the ball came, I just made a play. Okay. Did you get the ball? No, nah, I ain't. I ain't Not even a souvenir ball? ball? No, nah, I, I kept the jersey, though. I kept the jersey. I kept the jersey. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Thank you Appreciate so much. Appreciate it. Links to the stories we discussed can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Chiefs coverage also can be accessed on the Red Zone Extra app. 
Thank you, Kathy Lou and Leah Becerra for another week of shows. And hey, thank you for those who have purchased digital subscriptions to The Star using the KC Sports Pass. You know, the one I yap about during the show. It's that kind of support that helps us do what we do, including the podcasts. Like it or not, and we hope you do, we'll be back Monday for another full week of Sports Beat KC, starting with a post-game analysis of Sunday night's Chiefs-Colts game. Hope you enjoy. We'll talk to you then.